0: Text of emphasis today is found in the Apocalypse, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. It says this, After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard first was speaking to me like a trumpet and said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow shone like emerald and encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were... 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will that which is created has its being, then I saw in the right, at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Let's pray. Help us now, O God, to know you and to better know ourselves as we read and consider your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue today our fall, sermon series revelation an apocalypse of apocalyptic proportions we turn again to our guide through this journey the apostle uh, john who had walked and talked with jesus himself and now we find that he was a, a prisoner on the penal colony of the island of patmos Uh, He'd spent most of his days living in the uh, great city of Ephesus, but now he's a prisoner of the state because of his belief and the proclamation of the gospel. And so chapter 4 gets us started again with this scene by John saying, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice they had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must soon take place after this. So John is there. He's on the island. And he sees in the sky a door. And he hears the the voice of Jesus who had talked to him uh, earlier in the narrative of the apocalypse. And so here in the story... John is having his interaction with a, another dimension, the door in the sky standing open like a, a portal to the, the realm of, of God. Did any of you watch Stranger Things yet on Netflix? Did you see Stranger Things? By the way, you were killing it today. The, wow. Thank you for being here. I hope you're having a good time at Avon Hope. Anybody else see Stranger Things? <laughs> I'm not going to give away too much of the, the plot other than, th- well, this is going to give away a little bit. So if you haven't watched it and you want to watch, just close your ears right now, okay? So for those few of you who have seen Stranger Things, there's the upside down. You, if you watch it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, I, I want to not spoil the thing, but there's the upside down. John here is describing the right side up, the real right side up, a, a portal to another dimension. I mean, it's the, really the only way that you can uh, get around it. Revelation pulling back the curtain. The whole idea is the, the apocalypse. So something is being revealed to us. So another dimension is revealed. And so John looks up and he sees a, a door and he's called up through the, through the door. So what's going on in the the right side up, the the place where things are as they should be? In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 2, we see what the right side up is really like. John says, I at once was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. John is is a smart man. He's giving a, a description that would uh, resonate with his Israelite, his Jewish brothers and sisters. Not saying too much about the description of God himself. For in the Jewish understanding, God is thought of a spirit. And you have to be careful how you describe the, the, the physicalness of God, at least in the normal sense. And so John just describes this, this throne and all that's going on around it. There's lightning, and there's bright lights that are blinding if you look right at it. You can't really see the, 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 the image of God himself, but it's magnificent what is there. But he does see the, the throne itself. Now, to those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, this setting may remind you of something else. You know, we said a couple of weeks ago that Revelation, the apocalypse, is full of retro references. References that when the reader is reading, they're reminded not just of the time and place in which they currently exist, but of time times past. Of of the story of of Genesis, of the beginning, or the stories of the prophets, and so when when you read in in Revelation, there's a lot of these retro retro, uh, references, and so here we have one. And so, if you're familiar with the Old Testament story, and you start hearing this description of this place where John has been taken to in this other uh, realm, you may again find it familiar. This is a retro reference. What is the uh, the setting you? might ask. Well, if you remember the story of the Exodus, when the uh, Israelites who had escaped from the Egyptians after all of those years in uh, slavery, God rescues them, calls them out of slavery, and so they're there in the desert together, and God collaborates together with this man, Moses. And God communicates to Moses, who is now going to be, for all intents and purposes, the leader of this new community, this new culture, this new civilization, how the civilization should work, how it should operate. And so there are a lot of details in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy about how this new civilization is going to exist. He went so far to, as to describe what their, their community living circumstances should be like, that they should be divided by their, their tribe and how they should set up their, their camp as they moved around as nomads in the, in the desert. These different tribes were organized around one central place, a place of, of worship. The, uh, the Bible goes into great detail about this place. It had a, 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 a courtyard. And then inside the courtyard, it had a, a tent. And then inside of the tent, it had two rooms. And in the back of the, 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 the back room, you had the furniture that was to represent God's throne. So if you're John, and you're taken to this dimension, and now you see this description of God's throne, you can imagine that he's imagining that tabernacle, that place of worship way back from Moses' day, we a good an Adventist teaching on the Book of Revelation would not be complete without some pictures. We love some pictures, and when we're talking about Revelation, so I got I got I to find some pictures for these guys because they won't listen to me without pictures. So we, I found a a picture of an artist's rendering of this tabernacle. And the idea is, again, that the entire community, the entire Israelite community was around this place. And this was a visual illustration of how God was working to rescue his people. That was the idea. This in the middle of the camp. And so John now is in a vision. And what he's seeing is reminiscent of this this tabernacle, this place where God's uh, throne exists. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the book of Hebrews, actually articulates more detail about the relationship to this location and the model, which apparently is in this other dimension in, in heaven, that this was a copy of the original, and you can read all about that in again the letter to the uh, Hebrews. so John sees this door standing open in heaven, and the idea here is that this is the door into the tabernacle, and so John is looking in. Now, usually a person couldn't look all the way into the tabernacle and see the, the throne because there was a, a curtain or door there. But John is describing being able to see right inside into the, into the throne of God. Now, when he looked in there, what do, you, what do you think he saw? You guys remember Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? You remember that? A classic, Spielberg classic from the 80s. We got the, we got the picture here. You know, if you, looked into the, if you looked into the tabernacle and you looked into the back, which you normally couldn't do, but the door is open, you looked in, you would see something that looked like this. This is Spielberg's rendering of the Ark. The Ark is that, the bottom portion. Inside of the Ark were a couple of things. One primary thing, you know what it was? Can anyone, would you answer the quiz? the Ten Commandments were in there, right? And then the top was called the mercy seat, and it was symbolizing where God's presence existed in his people. So you can imagine this camp, and around the, around the camp are all of the the, the, or, uh, the the people, and then in the middle of the camp is this tabernacle, and in the middle of the tabernacle is this seat, God's throne. So John is is now in this This vision in this other dimension, if you will, and he's a scene that was familiar. It's a retro scene. The the narrative continues, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. There's been some debate about what these are. Some people have said that they are angels or some other beings, but I think the most persuasive argument are these are actually uh, humans. No, no other place in the Bible does the Bible describe angels as wearing white with crowns. These crowns are, by the way, are interesting crowns. They're called Stephanos. They're crowns of uh, victory. Like if you ran a race and you got a, a crown at the end, don't do this much anymore. Any racers here who have gotten crowns? We have. A, I, I got another picture because I knew you wanted pictures. Like there's the there's the crown of victory, the Stephanos that you have. This is the, the crown of victory. This is not a, a diadema, a crown of a king. This is a crown of a, a victor. You, you guys with me here? Is it hot in here or is it me? No, a little stuffy. So they're wearing these. They're wearing white. Human representatives here. In the scene, it doesn't matter what you believe, beings or humans or whatever, but I thought that was interesting. Crowns of gold, crowns of of victory. The narrative continues in verse 6. Also, in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's a a scene of worship. You have God, you have these elders, you have these weird sounding beings that seem to represent angels of some sort. It's a weird scene. In fact, German artist Matthias Gehrung painted this in the 16th century trying to kind of get a, give a picture of what was going on here. You have the lampstands and you have the elders and you have God in this, this center. It's a picture of Worship it's an image of worship. It's a, it's like God John has entered into this scene of worship in the in the tabernacle in where God's throne exists and So we continue in verse 9 whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne And who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him? Who lives forever and ever they lay their crowns before the throne and say you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. See, they, the, 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 they take off their victory crowns, recognizing it's not by their own power that they gain the victory. And they get down and they worship. This is the image that John is seeing. So up to this point, we have a really visual heavy experience of what John is seeing if you were to have to create a film of this it would require lots of CGI we're in God's throne room we're in a setting of worship we're in the, the good place but there's a problem in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1 we read this John talking again then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. John says, I wept and wept because no one was found who is worthy to open the scroll. The scroll or look inside of it. God himself is there. It's at his throne and there is apparently something that he himself isn't able to do. There's a, a, a scroll with seven seals and the call goes out. Who is worthy to open the scroll? There's nobody. There's nobody. There was a, a scroll associated with the ancient Jewish, the ancient Israelite uh, kings. It was handed down at the time of enthronement. When a king was inaugurated, the scroll would be handed. Only the king could receive this, only a worthy king could, could receive this uh, scroll. It was, the, it was the book of the, the, the testimony of the covenant often thought to be a a copy of the the book of Deuteronomy, the covenant between God and his people. And so if you were the worthy successor as an Israelite king, you would receive this scroll. When the Babylonian invasion uh, took place and the kingly line was, was ended, it's thought that this scroll was sealed for the last time. And has been lost since then. So we're imagining now John, hundreds of years later, after the, the Babylonian uh, uh, invasion, and the scroll has been lost for hundreds of years. Now, seeing this scene, this retro scene, reminiscent of the process of enthroning a new king, John is reminded of the heartache of his people not having their rightful leader. No one is worthy to open it. No one is worthy to open the scroll. Nobody has the specific moral qualifications to be the true king of of Israel. And then in what happens to be one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, chapter 5 and verse 4, John says, I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. He wept and wept. You, you experience here in this John retelling of a, a, a man who has his hope broken, who's looking for a solution, but it doesn't seem to be there. I wept And I wept because I wanted something so badly, but there was no one to help. I like this because who among us has not felt this way at some point? Looking at a problem that stands before us that there seems to be no solution for. You need a a job to earn a living, but there aren't jobs available, or at least not the ones that can actually provide for your living. The scroll is sealed. You want an intimate companionship with another human being, but there's no one worthy. You haven't found the right a person, and there doesn't seem to be any apparent solution on the horizon. The scroll seems sealed. You're in financial debt. And the money coming in doesn't equal the money that needs to go out. And you can't work enough to get caught up. And there's no solution on the horizon. The scroll is sealed. You guys know what I'm talking about here? Have you ever been in a, in a, a situation where the scroll seems sealed? And the, and the future wasn't clear because the, the present wasn't great, your work environment is, is toxic and you feel like it's a dead end, but there aren't other options for you. There's no immediate solution. The scroll is sealed. Until you get to the point where you feel like there's no one on earth or under the earth who can fix this situation. And so John says that he wept, and he wept because there was no hope. What do you do? This is the existential question that every human has to wrestle with. What do we do when we're confronted with things that are beyond our capability to move to the next step? We want to go somewhere, we want to be something, we want to do something, but the the future is unsure because the the present is difficult, and there doesn't seem to be a solution. The scroll is sealed. Where do you get hope in times of crisis? John continues in verse 5 of chapter 5. Then one of the elders said to me, don't weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and all of the seven seals. You could have cut the tension with a knife. John wept and wept, and you don't know what's gonna happen. He didn't know what was gonna happen. But then someone stands up with good news. You don't need to weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, again, retro-reference, everybody who was anybody knew what the lion of the tribe of Judah meant, that there was someone coming, that God was on on the move, and God was able to do something that you couldn't do for yourself, and this lion was present the root of David, the great king, the, the king who was worthy of taking the scroll. The, the root, his offspring was here and he is able to open the scroll and all of the seals. You can Imagine the, 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 the despair turning to hope. In John's moment of existential crisis, there's good news. There is a lion. If you're going to pick an animal, that you want on your, on your side, if, if animals could be on our side. If you're going to pick one, you're going to pick a lion, right? I mean, that's what you want, a lion. You hear? Uh, you hear a lion, have you ever heard in, in real life a lion roar? It's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying because it's it, it, beautiful, incredible, strong animals. You want a lion. So this had to be good. Uh, the lion, there's a lion. A lion on my side. Look what happens though in verse six. Then John says, I saw a lamb. Wah, wah. <laughs> I saw a lamb, but it gets worse, looking as if it was dead. I saw a lamb looking as it as it as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, with, which are seven spirits of God sent out into all, all the earth. So the elder gets up and says, a lion is here. Oh, and we have hope in the lion, but he, he looks and the lion, he doesn't see a lion, he sees a, a lamb. Now, if you could pick the opposite animal when it comes to intimidation, it's the lamb, Right? I mean lion, you want the lion, lion. There is a reason that there are no teams in the National Football League called the lambs. (laughs) There's there's the, the lions. A lamb, especially a lamb that looks as if it's been slain. But this is where that imagery of the ancient tabernacle comes back into play—a lamb, looking as if it had been slain every day in the in the community um, among the the people with the the tribes all around every day in the tabernacle service. Lambs, innocent lambs, were killed. It's a little hard for us to comprehend, but as we said, this was an illustration. A dramatic illustration for all the people about how God was working to rescue people who had no hope. So when John sees a lamb looking like it had been slain, he knew what was going on because he had also walked with Jesus. In fact, he may have been around that day when Jesus went and met his cousin, another John. John the Baptist, they'd never met before. And the first time that John the Baptist, the great preacher about God's work, the first time that John sees Jesus, do you remember what he calls him? He says, look to his followers, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of all of the world. The lamb who looks like it has been slain is Jesus. This is the clear implication. The one who was killed, but who lives. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes again to this church in Philippi a message of hope about this lamb who was slain. He says, "Who, being in very nature God, talking about Jesus, he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, com- by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Read in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 7, this description of that throne room, that place of worship, now that the Lamb has shown up. It says that he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Nobody fell down to anyone but God himself. But the Lamb shows up and takes the scroll, and now the elders and the creatures fall down before the lamb each one had a harp and they're holding golden bowls of fruit and incense which are the prayers of God's people and they sang a new song a song that had never been sung before you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood purchased people for God from every tribe language and people and nation. When the Lamb shows up, there's hope. The message of Revelation 4 and 5 is that the only solution for the world today and the only solution for you in your moments of despair is rooted in Jesus. God has done something for you that you could not do for yourself. And so if you ever felt despair and you don't see the future ahead of you because the the present is too overwhelming, there's hope. There is a lamb who looks as if it's been slain but is able to open the seal for your life if today you're feeling broken and discouraged If you're feeling like there's no reason for hope, if your problems have no easy or obvious solution, then the message of Revelation 4 and 5 is a message for you. There is one who is worthy and able to overcome every obstacle that is set before you. Revelation 5 ends with this scene. John again says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature on heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. And the elders fell down in worship. If you're broken... If you're in despair if you're discouraged there's hope for you today may you be may I be a people who recognizes that God who has done something for us we couldn't do for ourselves through the work of Jesus and may we experience hope that brings us to worship let's pray Father God, you know the condition of each person here today. You know our pain. You know our brokenness. You know where we need hope. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.